Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Dr. Chad Dumas about some of the challenges facing leaders today and the tools to confront those challenges. Dr. Chad Dumas, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to engage with you and uh, share some thoughts with your listeners. Yeah, I'm excited to have this conversation on a really important and timely topic. Uh, That is the challenges facing leaders today. And we're going to talk about some tools that can be used to confront those challenges. I know that's uh, related to a lot of the work that you do. And of course, there's always challenges facing leaders. Leadership is hard. If it wasn't hard, then, you know, we wouldn't be talking so much about it. And there, you know, everyone would just be great leaders, but it is hard. Uh, People are messy. Organizations are messy and contexts are constantly changing and shifting. And that's part of the reality we're living in today is that we've now been in this pandemic uh, moment for, it's been much more than a moment. It's been, you know, going on 14, 15 months, (laughs) but things are starting to slowly kind of get back to quote unquote normal, open up. And ultimately leaders are going to have to wrestle with, again, a shifting workplace context. Are we going to have remote workers? Uh, Are we going to embrace the distributed model of our workforce? Are we going to have hybrid environment? Are we going to get everyone back to the physical office? You know, that's among just some of the questions that are facing leaders today on top of all the normal stuff that they have to deal with. So these are the types of things we'll be exploring together today. As we get started, I wanted to share Chad's bio with everybody. Dr. Chad Dumas is the international consultant presenter and award-winning researcher whose primary focus is collaborating to develop capacity for continuous improvement. Having been a successful teacher, principal, central office administrator, professional developer, and consultant in a variety of school districts, he brings his passion, expertise, and skills to his writing and speaking as he engages participants in meaningful and practical learning. In his Amazon best-selling books, Let's Put the C in PLC and an action guide to put the C in PLC, Chad offers readers and audiences educational research, engaging stories, hands-on tools, and useful knowledge and skills they can implement immediately. The results of Chad's work speaks for themselves. One district was identified as persistently lowest achieving upon his arrival, and within a few years, by applying the principles of this book, multiple schools were recognized as national PLC models for improving student learning. Chad has served on and led accreditation visits uh, around the U.S. and the world, presented nationally and internationally, collaborated with school boards, uh, intermediate service agencies, state departments of education, and professional associations, and trained as an agency trainer for adaptive schools. Uh, What a tremendous bio. I've interviewed a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds, uh, but I think you might be the first 
school um, administrator and principal and consultant uh, that I've interviewed. Yet, of course, the leadership lessons that we often talk about apply in in the educational space just as much as they apply to other places. So again, welcome to the podcast. Is there anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of background or personal context before we dive on into the conversation? Um, well, thank you. As, as you were reading that, I was like, wow, whoever you're going to have on here, uh, I'd like to talk to them because uh, they probably have some good experiences. <laughs> so it's very humbling to be uh, to be here. And, you know, our paths take us down certain paths as we go through life. And um, uh, happy to share some of these experiences and stories and tools to be able to help folks. Uh, like you said, you know, leadership is leadership, whether it's in a nonprofit or a school or a business. Uh, these leadership quality leadership practices really apply across across the spectrum. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, maybe ex- one thing I would say, for though, it. for those who are not familiar with the education world, you know, the title of the book is "Let's Put the C in PLC," and sometimes people don't know what PLC means because it's very much an education jargon term, and that term means professional learning community, PLC. And so the idea is putting community into this idea of professional learning community. So working together to build our capacity to improve what we do as adults to impact uh, students. Perfect. Thank you for that, because that was going to be my first question, <laughs> as I wanted to make sure that we uh, that we nailed that down. But that that's perfect. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm not in the K through 12 space, but I'm in the higher education space, university professor and administrator. And again, we have lots of similar, you know, jargon issues. Um, so it's nice to be able to define those terms yes. as needed and appropriate. Um, okay, so as we really dive on into the conversation, tell us about some of the common challenges you see facing leaders today. And that can be specifically within the education space, but also more generally. Yeah. So when I think of uh, challenges, my mind goes to uh, not only my experiences, but uh, one of the great um, educational leaders uh, is Michael Fullen. And he talks about the challenge of educational leaders. And I think this applies to leaders at any level, There's that there's three challenges. And one is to make sure that we're limiting our initiatives. Um, too many organizations get too many initiatives going all at once. And, and the job of leaders is to figure out what are those big rocks, <laughs> as Stephen Covey would say, these are the big rocks and this is what we're going to move. So that's, that's the first challenge is, is helping to figure out what those big rocks are. The, the second challenge facing leaders, I think, is now, okay, so now that you've got those big rocks identified, now what are you going to do about it? So building capacity of people around you to be able to meet those challenges, to meet those needs of those big rocks. Um, And then I think the third big challenge of any leader is to um, set up systems for mutual accountability. Um, Because we know that top-down accountability really doesn't work. Uh, it, It might work in the military, um, but in uh, organizations where people are voluntarily there, um, you know, for a paycheck or otherwise, they're still there at some voluntary level. Uh, mutual accountability systems are what are best to be able to move the system forward. And so the, the, I, I guess I would say those three challenges are really the biggest thing. And they apply now during, you know, coming out of COVID, they applied pre-COVID, they're going to apply, you know, 10 or 20 years from now, figuring out what are those big rocks How do we build the capacity of people around us to meet those challenges? And and I would add within within kind of this culture of 
of community, of togetherness, of we-ness, uh, that we have a clear mission and purpose about what we're doing. Yeah, those are all great, great points. I think those are um, definitely challenges facing any leader today. And I see that all the time too. I think being able to prioritize initiatives and focus on what uh, types of change within the organization we're shooting for at any given point in time, that's one of the biggest challenges facing any leader because there's just so many things going on. There's so many challenges. There's so many um, external pressures there's so many things we could focus our time on. And if we become distracted uh, by lots of good things, like there's, there's lots of good things we can be doing, but what are the most important essential things that we focus our time on? If we can clarify that uh, for our people, you know, while getting their input into what those things are, then I think that gives us the best chance uh, to move forward. And you you gave some other really great uh, points as well. And I agree. I think those are, those are, common challenges facing probably any leader in any organization, in any sector, any industry, um, you know, uh, clearly context matters. And if I'm in a school versus in a tech company and I'm in a small business versus a large corporation, there are going to be different differences within that context, but some of these foundational principles still remain. Yep. Yep. And, and one of the things I like to point out too, that this, this idea of, you know, figuring out your big rocks doesn't mean that you stop doing all the other things. Um, it, it means that these big rocks kind of provide coherence to what you're doing. And so I, I like to use analogies to help, you know, make these practical. And so, for example, um, you know, if my wife and I set out to have a goal of building relationships with our neighbors in our community, you know, in our neighborhood community, you know, that's a big goal that then focuses our efforts. And so maybe we have three strategies that we pursue as part of that development of those relationships with our neighbors. Maybe one strategy is we're going to um, invite people over for meals. And another strategy might be that we're going to take them sweet treats, you know, cookies or this or that or something like that. And maybe a third strategy is we're going to serve them. You know, uh, we're in Iowa, it snows in the winter. So we're going to help, you know, clear sidewalks of snow. And in the summer, you know, there's storms and so twigs come down. So we're going to help clear twigs. And in the fall when it's leaves, we're going to help, you know, so, so these are like three strategies. So each of those strategies then has specific activities associated with them, right? So if I'm going to have people over for dinner, there's lots of different activities that go into this. So the goal is build relationships. This strategy is I'm going to, we're gonna have them over for dinner. Now, in order to do that, we're gonna need to um, figure out dates, create invitations, figure out what the menu is, clean the house, do the dishes. Hey, the morning of, I better brush my teeth and take a shower, you know, put on some clothes. So there's still lots and lots of little things that happen as part of that. And I haven't even gotten into things like, you know, you know, getting out the keys to put it into the ignition to the car and change the car into drive and drive, right? And sometimes people get caught up in the minutia of that. And they say, we're doing so many things around here. When in reality, those are all little small activities that have to go into the bigger. And so that, but that bigger idea of building relationships with the neighbors that creates coherence. And so by limiting initiatives, leaders can create that coherence. Lots of little things are happening but we're coherently moving in this direction of these pursuing these three strategies in pursuit of that one goal. Covey talks about big, hairy, audacious goals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I really love that. So part of what you're saying is just the integration 
of all these disparate things that are happening in, in our day-to-day organizational processes, practices, as well as the very specific minute tasks uh, that, that individuals and in teams are doing. Uh, and ultimately a, a big part of what a leader needs to do in creating those big priorities is find, helping people to articulate in their minds, helping them to understand how the, the different disparate pieces of what they're doing all connect together and becomes Correct. integrated yeah. into the, the big desired strategic goals of what the yep. organization is trying to achieve. Yep. And that doesn't happen just by telling people, right? That happens by building shared understanding where people have that opportunity to engage with each other and with the, the activities and strategies and goals so that they can see how their work fits in. Um, <laughs> you know, um, I've just been in situations where people are like, well, I told people how the way that they answer the phone is meeting. Well, maybe instead of telling, you need to ask. <laughs> maybe we need to flip it around and, and ask the secretary. So here's the goal of the organization. Here's the strategies that are pursuing. How does your day-to-day to work fit in with that? Or what might you do differently? to help meet that, right? I mean, you know, the analogy of my uh, dinner analogy falls kind of flat a little bit, but if I, if I had a secretary at home who was taking phone calls from the neighbors for whatever, I'd wanna make sure that that secretary was helpful and kind and aware of this goal of building relationships so they don't inadvertently undermine <laughs> that goal of building that relationship. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, th- I think, uh, you know, that's, that's a good example. I love, as we're focusing on how to reach our people and communicate, I can be like the most effective, dynamic, charismatic communicator in the world. But if I'm just telling somebody something, or yeah. even worse, sending them an email, <laughs> if, if that's all I'm doing to communicate, even if I do yeah. it repeatedly and persistently, which most leaders don't, they they tend to do it once and then they think they're good. But even right. if I do it consistently and persistently over time, it's it's just a fundamentally different thing psychologically in the yes. mind of employees when you when you approach it the way you just did. You ask mm-hmm. them the question, how would you do this? Now that doesn't right. mean you can't still kind of guide the conversation and make sure right. that they're addressing some of the points you feel is important. But as you ask those guiding questions, then you help them to discover their own answer. And, and yep, yep. thereby you're empowering them. You're creating buy-in there. You're, you're generating more commitment because they're not just doing something because you told them to, but they're doing something because they see the connection to the larger vision, mission, purpose, and, and strategy um, components. And, and now they, they can own it. Right. And, and right, ownership right. is way more powerful yep. to drive ongoing, sustainable top performance than, you know, someone feeling like they just have to comply with an edict from their boss. Yep. Yep. That's exactly right. Yeah. It, it, it makes me think of, uh, I heard someone once say, you know, the good Lord gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason, you know, we should listen twice as much as we talk. And, and that works with, uh, leadership, especially, right. Maybe we should be listening three or four times as much as we talk, you know, engaging in that inquiry and those conversations to find out where people are. Um, and, and it also leads to how do we as leaders set up our meetings to effectively uh, gather that feedback, elicit that feedback and create, uh, I loved how you use the term ownership, ownership in the, uh, the goals, the activities, the strategies of the organization.
I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership, Ordinary Everyday Actions That Produce Extraordinary Results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. So there's clearly some challenges. Every organization faces them. Every leader faces them. Leadership is tough work. People are messy. Organizations are messy. Yeah. What are some of the tools that you use when you're working with clients to try to help them develop their capacities and capabilities around leadership? Yeah, so uh, there's a number of tools that, that come to mind. And the first and foremost, um, I don't know if it's a tool so much as it is the the, the uh, notion that we have to use data or evidence to also bring coherence to our work. Um, that selecting goals out of thin air, uh, that may have worked, you know, I don't know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, maybe it didn't even work then. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we have to use data uh, or evidence. I like the term evidence better because sometimes people think of data as being just numbers. Uh, and there's a lot of different ways that we can collect evidence um, that maybe opens people's mind to the possibilities of how can we know that we're being effective. And so I think that's like the first big idea is how do we use evidence or data to inform our work and using that evidence in ways that actually works. Um, so one of the tools that I like to use is color coding data. Um, you know, identifying what are our expectations and let's color code it. So if it is numbers, we're going to code, color code, you know, where were strengths like blue, you know, I like like a stoplight, green, yellow, red, and then blue is above and beyond. So like blue is like really amazing. Green is, yeah, we're doing exactly what we want to be doing. Yellow is, this is a, like a concern area. We want to be paying attention to this. And then red is, ooh, this is definitely an issue. And so when we as a team identify, first of all, what are our expectations? And then we color code whatever those metrics are, like the data just pops <laughs> for us, right? And, and you color code it both graphically and in table forms. All of a sudden, trends and themes really start to emerge because that's the other thing about data. You know, one data point doth not a trend make. <laughs> it's just one piece. And so we need to make sure that we're looking at trends over time. Um, I heard someone say that, you know, if your data goes up year one year or down one year, uh, you know, that's like flipping a coin. You got a 50-50 chance. It's going to go up or down. That's it, right? Uh, once you get two or three or more years, then you can start to, to be able to say, okay, uh, we need to make some decisions here about what's happening. And so that color coding that data can help us make that pop. 
Um, so that's like one tool that I use with folks. Um, another yeah, tool. And yeah, go ahead. Before we go to the next one, I, I really yeah. like that because so many people are just so visual. Um, yeah. And I, I've been in board meetings, you know, where we've used that kind of a color-coded approach for mm-hmm. a variety of things, including KPIs and key metrics um, that the organization wants to focus on. And, you know, as much financial training as you hope people have in those meetings, uh, uh-huh. it, it's still just helpful to have things, yeah. you know, uh, you know, it's just the psychology of how people um, process information, it, it you know, yeah. make it as easy as possible to process yeah. the information, take away, you know, key insights, and then so then you can get to the strategy, right? Right, exactly. And, and along with that, you know, making it a, a third point is what it's many times referred to so that the data isn't something that's between you and me personally, but it's a third point, you know, like you said, it's projected on the wall with the projector, or we've got chart paper around the room. And so we can refer to the data and depersonalize it because um, like it or not, all change, even though it's organizational change, all change is personal. It does come down to a personal level and requires each person to behave differently. And so that can be threatening. So making a third point of our data helps to do that. Uh, so color coding, coding it, making it a third point. Um, I'm a fan of actually writing down two-step process when we look at our data. First of all, our observations. What does the data say? Let's just be really clear. The data says that we are high performing in this area or we're low performing in this area, or we have ongoing trends in this area. Let's just be really, let's put a narrative. Cause like you said, some people are visual, some people like to read it. And so let's, let's meet those needs. And then the second step after the, so you've got the color coding it, then we do a, a narrative. And then the second narrative is why do we think this might be so hypotheses? Like we think that this might be because of X, Y, and Z or A, B, and C. Now we don't know, it's a hypothesis. We're gonna to have to do some investigating to find out, but let's get on the table, potential reasons for the data being this way. And then that helps us going back to meet that challenge I talked about earlier. So what goals are we gonna set? Because now we have some hypotheses that we can investigate and decide what are those big rocks gonna be. Excellent. And you were about to, before I interrupted you, you were yeah, about no to worries. go into a couple other tools. Yeah. So uh, another uh, set of tools that I like to use is in terms of setting agendas for meetings. Um, There's three things that every meeting needs to have, and they're the most important things for every meeting. And so the first thing that every meeting needs to have, it it needs to have clear outcomes. People need to know why they're there. And so having clear outcomes is absolutely critical. The second thing that needs to be at every meeting, and maybe it's almost as important as the first, is meetings need to have clear outcomes. (laughs) People need to know how what they are contributing makes sense. (laughs) And then the third, third most important thing, maybe you've figured this out, it's having clear (laughs) outcomes. Like, like, how many meetings do we go to and we walk out and look at each other and go, what was that? And what, you know, what are we? So unfortunately it's the vast majority for most people. (laughs) It is, it is. And it's just like have clear out. And so that's why I like to joke around with that by saying, you know, the three most important things at any meeting is have clear outcomes, have clear outcomes, have clear outcomes. So I advocate for at the top of every agenda, here are our outcomes folks. 
one, two, three, whatever. These are our outcomes. Um, and then setting up the agenda. Um, I like to, I've seen, uh, I've started doing this myself. So that's why I say I like to, because I've seen it work really well with other groups. And that is to set the agenda with a what, why, how organizer. So like a, a table, you know, if you're using a Word document, set up a table and you got three columns. Actually, I like to do five columns myself because the first column is like a who. Who's going to facilitate this portion of the meeting? What is it that we're doing? What's the topic? Why is it important, our rationale? And how are we going to go about doing it? The steps, step by step. And that's where you can then link like resources if we're going to go to this website and do this you know, web study or whatever. And then the fifth column I like to put on there is, you know, other or resources type thing if there's additional things related to it. But, you know, set up the, set up your agenda in a landscape format with the outcomes at the top and then the agenda so that it's very clear. What are we doing? Why are we doing it? How are we doing it? And then additional resources. And then I also like to include the who is facilitating so we're clear about that. Um, so, so that, that's the agenda, but then we can get in and then I've got some tips with running the meeting too, but that's kind yeah. of some thoughts around making sure the, the meetings are clearly aligned with what we want to get done. Yeah. I mean, it does seem simple. It's not rocket science, but mm -hmm. the vast majority of meetings aren't effective yeah. and, and you end up wasting a lot of people's time. Uh, and yeah. that gets, that gets people really frustrated. And I think, I think one of the easiest things you can do as a leader is just be committed to running effective meetings with clear agendas, with clear expectations and outcomes. Um, mm -hmm. And just, you know, if, if you can run effective meetings, even if you're not great in other areas of leadership, people are <laughs> going to think you're a pretty good leader. So, <laughs> so that's very true. So that's something at least you can, you can work on a little bit. Um, well, Chad, it has been a real pleasure talking with you. I recognize we're about to the end of our time and I want to be respectful of your time, but before we close, go, huh? Yeah, time flies. Uh, before we close, though, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your work, uh, and then give us the final word on the topic for today. Yeah, absolutely. So um, probably the easiest way is on my Twitter page. Uh, my handle is at Chad Dumas, C-H-A-D-D-U-M-A-S. Um, and of course, people that don't have Twitter, you can still go there and access my information there because that then lists, uh, has access to my Facebook and LinkedIn and website. My website is nextlearningsolutions.com. And so that's kind of, kind of how people can, um, can reach out to me. Um, in terms of uh, like a last word, um, we need every single one of us. None of us knows enough to meet all of the challenges that any organization is facing. And so we need each other to be able to do that. And the job of leaders, designated leaders, is to access that expertise. And so anything that, that we can do to be able to access the expertise of others in moving the organization forward, that's what we wanna do. Yeah, perfect, well said. Well, Chad, it has been a real pleasure talking with you. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Chad and his organization can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. 
Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.